All right, welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone. I'm joined by Chris Nee, Zach Blostein. We are the Knowles 24-7 crew, and we are here to cover an FSU team that just finished its regular season 12-0, that just went into the swamp and silenced the Gators. It wasn't always pretty. The season hasn't always been pretty, but the win-loss total is perfect. So, fellas, uh, let's start off. Do we feel bad for the sod that got ripped up? I, I think that was... Um, Troubling to some people. Tradition. Hashtag, hashtag classy. They didn't enjoy that. It was an, a fun underscore. And uh, UF um, advocates talking about class when they're spewing spit on people and um, racially insensitive signs and making fun of broken legs and um, headshots. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the grass that can grow back uh, was problematic. Uh, so FSU's win, guys. Uh, we're going to talk about it here, get into how it happened for the Seminoles, what it means for the context of just this really um, memorable season. But first off, a hat tip to Chattanooga Whiskey. They're killing it in the craft distillery game. If there was ever a reason to celebrate with Chattanooga Whiskey, I think it was on Saturday evening. You go ahead and get their entry-level bourbon. Their cast strength is extra- exceptional and extraordinary. Try to combine both of those. Still early here on Monday morning. Uh, and their rye whiskey is also awesome. I shared a roasted uh, malt finish uh, with one of our buddies, a uh, listener of the show, Matt, uh, the other day. I think he enjoyed it. So anyways, like everyone's going to get on the Chattanooga whiskey train because it's exceptional. Uh, we are proud to have him as our sponsor. All right. So this is a, a season still ongoing, right? There's still more chapters to be written, but we're starting to near the end. You have a couple games left, three if things go really well for you. Uh, but we're nearing the finish line here. And this team is 12-0. and 0. Through the regular season, one of only seven teams in program history to do that. So like, let that sink in if you think about all the amazing football teams, football players, just moments that this program has produced. Not many can say 12-0. and 0. Uh, And appreciate, like, in the moment, like, what this team has gone through. Uh, obviously, with Jordan Travis injury. Just a lot of, like, games in which you've had to kind of lean on an opponent and show grit, show resolve. And I think that, fellas, like, I want to talk about that real quick before we get into, like, the nuts and bolts of the UF game. I appreciate the hell out of this team. I've, for several years now, really admired the way Mike Norvell's programs are handled uh, since even the 2021 season. Like, it felt like this heart and hustle vibe type of team. And they've just grown on that. They've added more talent to it. But, like, the effort, the energy, it's not always perfect. It's not always clean. It can be frustrating sometimes. But, man, like, I, I appreciate it. Chris, like, your thoughts on just, like, what this season has meant to Florida State to the fan base that I think kind of like what, what 12 and 0 means for the, the, the program moving forward. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it seven times in program history. They've been perfect Fourth time. They've been 12 and 0 because obviously seasons have gotten longer regular seasons and 11 time they've gone perfect on the road. You know, this program's ultra accomplished. It's done a ton in its history, three national titles raised all of those things. Winning is difficult. Uh, it's one of those things I always fall back on. This program, this year, this team, they just get it done. It's not always the prettiest. BC was, you know, pull your hair out, frustrating at times. Boy. Florida was a bad start. We've had a mix of good starts, bad starts, mostly good finishes outside of BC really is about the only one I can think of. I guess maybe Wake Forest can throw in there, but whatever. That game was well in hand. Um, yeah, they, they get it done. They show up. They play the game of football they play in all three phases when they've had to have things they've gotten them you know take Saturday night for example down a stretch in that game defense was phenomenal Jared Burst was a badass you know what uh he made sure he didn't just sack the quarterback that he also sacked the offensive tackle right into the quarterback Braden Fist played like a man on fire in the second half Akeem Dent played like a man on fire in the first half it just speaks to it's a cast of characters it's not Jordan Travis is ultra important and a major reason FSU is where they are currently. But it's it's across the board. Deuce Span kick return. Trey Benson coming up big with three touchdowns. Keon Coleman playing like a man against LSU. Johnny Wilson showing up when they have to have it. Jaheim Bell getting Tate Rodemaker settled, Rodemaker settled in on Saturday with that big catch. Tate stepping into that role and handling that in the swamp. So on and so forth. O-line. It's up and down. It's frustrating at times. Can't always get a yard when you got to get it. But they still go out there. They battle their backsides off. I think we all know, especially me and Brennan with being at practice on a daily basis, that group is pretty beat to hell, especially at like center with Mo Smith. They just keep showing up and taking the punches. The front porch on defense has lived up to what it is. Kalen Deloach, full-grown man, absolutely awesome to watch what he's turned into. Tatum Bethune right there beside him. 
Secondary has been outstanding. Renardo Green's turned into the glove. Ventral Cybers has been dependable. AZ Thomas has turned into a solid starter type guy. We talked some about safeties. Shaheen Brown starting every single game this year. It's across the board. Ryan Fitzgerald, you know, comeback story of the year. You know, a year ago, I wasn't convinced he was ever going to be a reliable kicker for this program again. This year, he's in the running for a gross award. Here we are. Alex Mastromano, with the exception of a 16-yard shank after a fake punt that didn't go well, been pretty damn phenomenal all year. And that wasn't that, his you know, fault either. No, that it was wasn't. It was time. pressure, and he had to step up and all that. Yeah. But in general, he's been super dependable. It's across the board. I think that's the thing I appreciate the most is that it is done as a team. You know, you can take talent composites, blue chip ratios, all those fun things we love to use. FSU is not the most talented team in the country. They're not the most blue chip heavy team in the country. They are one of the two or three best teams in the country. And that's because they play as a team. They get it done. They're well coached. They truly have bought into everything that this culture and this program is about, which is work on a daily basis, care about the one in front of you, care about the guy beside you. And don't worry so much about the opponent. Be prepared for the opponent, but don't worry about the opponent. Worry about yourself. Make sure you got your ducks in order. And they're extremely good at that on a weekly basis. And that's tough to do. You're dealing with 18 to 23-year-olds. I remember being 18 to 23. It is very tough to do it on a weekly basis and be consistent. at FSU has been ultra consistent at it. Zach, you're... Uh... You're prone to bouts of anxiety, just like myself, uh, and they manifest in different ways. I want to get your thoughts early on in the game, where you're at emotionally uh, when FSU falls down. Oh, I mean, I think I'm th- – like, I know, you know, obviously if you're level-headed, you're like, oh, you know, it'll, it'll get fixed. Um, but they couldn't do anything in, in the first half offensively besides that last drive before halftime. So, to me, it was just – I was more so worried that – they were never going to get Tate comfortable and settled in in that game, in that environment. And they did. So kudos to that staff, kudos to Tate for stepping up, kudos to the players around him for stepping up in that moment. Um, that that drive before half was yeah. the biggest development in that entire game, I thought, um, because it showed that Tate could get it done, um, that offense could move the ball downfield. Before that, there was, I mean, what is it, 20 yards of offense before that drive um, in the first half? With minus Florida two State. points on offense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I was worried, much like I would assume most of the fan base was um, heading into the half. They come out of the half, and, I mean, I think it's pretty safe to bet now, like, Florida State's defense is just going to be lights out in the second half. That's just what they are. Um, and... And they were more than that. Uh, that was the most dominant defensive performance we've seen them put together, in my opinion, this season, uh, besides maybe LSU at the beginning of the year, um, just considering how great that offense is was and is. But, I mean, you're in UF's place, and they literally couldn't do anything besides, I think, one drive in the second half. Um, it was just, yeah, I mean – just an incredible performance by that defense. Yeah, and we start to expect it at this point. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can have Adam Fuller. He's kind of scripted, but but so like let's let's go into like the turning points of this game and to set the stage, the environment. And Chris, you can attest to this. Go ahead, go ahead, Chris. You got something? Twenty-nine yard shot to Jaheim Bell. That's, that's the turning point of the game. That's when it changed. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And and so what's happening is the environment is it's nuts. It's as loud as probably any stadium that Chris and I have been at this season. That's including like some really great games at Doak Clemson on the road. Like this had juice to it. It had energy. It was loud. That, that stadium retains sound in a way, Chris made that point in a way that like it's a box. it is, it is difficult to, to hear and to comprehend shout out to the marching chiefs. They were great in person rewatching the game. They were super loud on TV too. Uh, a little it's bit all you can hear at some points. Yes. Yeah, so, so like FSU had that, but like the energy in that game, you have Jordan Travis who shows up. How awesome is that, that he's there on the sideline uh, before the game up in the box uh, and, and you know, during the game, but like he's there to support his team. Uh, but like the environment, uh, the energy, very difficult. I think early on for Tate Rodemaker to kind of settle in, like that was obvious. And he wasn't put in good situations. Trey Benson going negative for what, seven, nine yards, whatever it was, just can't have that. And, and Trey redeems himself as he's known to do, but, uh, there's multiple drives in which you're backed up. 
there was, I mean, Max Brown for Florida, like make some of the best throws that you're probably going to see a quarterback make this season. Yeah. And uh, the 24 yard, what was it? Real shot. That was too. I oh, but it was, with DJ Lundy trailing in coverage. Yeah. yeah was, right. But it, it was just such a nice pass. So it was one of those where it's like, Oh man, he can make a high level pass. But at yeah. the end of the day, he finishes with only 86 yards thrown. Well, he throws a pick late. In the game. You know, at long term, I'm like, if you're Florida, like you might have something there, which is, which is cool for them. Uh, during the game, I'm thinking like, this is a red shirt freshman. And even in the first drive, he delivers some, I mean, there's multiple drives in the first that, that he delivers that are, that are difficult. Um, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, okay, how, how sustainable is that? Like, if he's going to do that all game, then, yeah, it's going to be a dogfight, and you may not be able to recover, especially if your offense doesn't get going. And then there was a finally the driver. I'm like, ah, it's just like eventually it's going to bounce your way because it's normally how it does happen. But, like, uh, the Akeem Dent forced fumble, and the ball rolls out of bounds. And then a few plays later, Akeem Dent hits Max Brown, the ball flutters in the air, and, and UF catches it. And then they have a 62-yard punt, and, like, um, then there's a safety and uh, there's people covering Florida who thought Before it was the safety was the uh, penalty. Do we want to enjoy that moment? Hey. Oh, and um, yeah, let's, let's talk about that real quick. Um, <laughs> yeah. Florida gets, gets four points extra, which in a pretty close game matters uh, because Akeem Denton. And who knows they even game. get, who, who knows if they even get the field goal. That kid wasn't automatic. Yeah. I mean, no. smack like Al Thornton shooting free throws as a freshman. He was about as 50, 50 as they come. Um, it was that that penalty and this officiating crew was the same one at Clemson that allowed a lot of PIs to go through and uh, had a really bad red zone uh, penalty uh, on Tatum Bethune, a, a really like questionable holding call in that game. If you remember that gave Clemson a new set of downs. So kind of kind of similar type of vibes there. Uh, Mike Norvell let them know. Uh, what he thought. I don't know if you guys saw the video after people think that Mike Gravel may have said something to the ref. I don't know if that's what he was doing, uh, but he was not, uh, not shy during and even after the game of saying how, yeah, he, what did he say, Chris, a terrible call or that you. Uh, yeah. I, I think he said he had a lot of things he felt like he could say about it, but he, uh, he leaned more. He had a lot of feelings about it being a terrible yeah. call. So you can't really like, can you, can you find someone for feelings? I don't know. I don't know. But, like, maybe the league at some point will – it was ACC officials in the swamp there on Saturday. Maybe the league at some point will decide, you know, hey, we've got a decent football product here. Like, let's maybe, you know, do a half-assed decent job officiating it. Not to derail it. Like, I listened to, like, a lot of, like, national podcasts and, like, people in the SEC weren't happy with officiating across the league. This Yeah, the Iron Bowl wasn't well officiated. Um, yeah. Officiating I, sucks, but – I mean, come on. Like it's it's it, been brutal this year. It's a national games. problem. The ACC one feels like it's been particularly like there's been days where like multiple like people covering the you know different programs are like, what the hell are we doing here? It, it is bad. I just I love the double standard as well. Like the the Keem Dent barely hits the guy in the face. Like I don't even think he does at all, which I guess is what was penalized. But I mean, there was nothing there. Everyone that watches that, I got texts from like my girlfriend's dad, who's like, I'm never watching football again if this is like what's what's called. And he's not even a he's not a Florida State or Florida fan or anything like that. He was just watching the game. Um, it's just, and then the, you know the the Tate Rodmaker play where Desmond uh, Desmond Watson, that's his name. Yeah, he rips Tate Rodmaker to the ground, like body slams him to the ground on a sack. And I mean that's just a that's just a football play, you know. And what, I remember what, watching that in real time. I was like, oh, that seemed a little aggressive, but also like it is football. I'm like, but that's, that, but that's, that's fine. But like, you, I'm fine with that. But you yeah. got it. You got it. You want it to be even, even man. Even. Like, what are we doing? I, um, that was the most, I could not believe that that was what they called. And, and, you know, good on, you know, Herb Street and Fowler on the call. They, they said the same thing. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous that, I mean, it, it was a, it was a turning point in the game because you would stop them on that drive. Who knows if he makes that kick? And then two plays later, after that penalty, they score a touchdown. They're first of the game. They're only of the game, right? I've grown pretty to be a pretty big fan of Mike Norvell losing his mind. Like, you know, he doesn't do it often. It's not a regular. He's not like he, yeah, like, he gets right he in the gets, ref's face. He gets into it. But when he does it, oh, he leans into it all the way. And he he's a little bit here for it. The, the hands are going to be clenched behind the back. The eyes are going to look like lasers are shoot from him. And just breathing fire. It's it's. I, Bud yeah, we've only seen it three times this year, but it's been fun. Bud tweeted out that he wouldn't wouldn't have like blamed Norvell if he swung on him. I think that would have been a freaking story if the coach swung on swung swung 
I'm an official. I, I don't need that in game. We're busy enough. That would be problematic. Um, so anyways, a lot, what we're trying to get to a lot of adversity for FSU, a lot of bad breaks for FSU early on. And you weather the storm, Chris, that, that touchdown drive before halftime, you mentioned the seam shot to Jaheim Bell, to two guys who played at Valdosta connecting there, but like what went right that drive? How big was that to kind of settle things down? Well, you get it started with a 16-yard rush to the left by Benson out of shotgun. That's kind of the first time you felt like, ooh, Benson kind of hit a hole and did a little something there. And then you got a couple more plays leading up to the 29-yard shot to Bell. After that, Toe Philly rips off a 16-yard run. So, again, the running game feels like it's getting going a little bit. You're feeling pretty good about it. Uh, you know, a little bit of stalling out there again. A 14-yard hit to Johnny Wilson. Again, another guy involved. Again, Tate looks like he's very much settled in. And then, you know, FSU ends up punching it in from a yard out after that play. The Johnny Wilson set up the Trey Benson run first of three touchdowns for Trey Benson on the day. FSU's on the board. It's 12 to seven, 26 seconds left in the half. You did a good job of scoring. You did a good job of not really giving Florida time to get points, even though it got a little dicey there in that 26 seconds. And, uh, you know, you go into the halftime and, you know, it's a new game. You're getting the ball first. You know what your defense is like in the second half. I think you're feeling pretty confident for, it having been 12-0 and being bad in the first quarter, and I think there was one point I leaned over to you, Brandon, and I was like, you know, the good news is we're so good in second quarters. we got nothing to be concerned about here. But you go into halftime, you feel pretty good about it. It's kind of like a whole new game. You've taken a little juice out of Swamp, a place that was pretty raucous and loud in that game. And then you know you have the opportunity to come out in the second half, establish your dominance, take a lead, put the game away, play like you have all year in the second half. You know what your team is if you're Mike Norvell. And the team itself knows what they are. And they felt that way at the end of that drive, in my opinion. So we get into the second half and l- listen, like it doesn't necessarily start like ideally with, with UF on offense. Like they're able to put together a decent drive uh, and, and they're able to kick a field goal. Um, so you're kind of, all right, defense, like, you know, it's, it's time. And uh, Zach mentioned this, uh, we are going to stop here and, and revel in it for, for a minute or two. Like, after that, the defense said, no, nothing else, nothing else. The defense in the second half gave up 48 yards, 2.1 yards per play, three first downs, and all of that came on the opening drive because the remaining four drives were a three and out, a three and out, a three and out, and then a four and out. And he ended fittingly with a Kalen Deloach interception, guy who's been through it and has had big plays all season, um, a senior and, and someone who, like, deserves his flowers. But, like, the level of domination that Florida State had in that stretch uh, – where does it start? Like up front, yeah. Zach? Like who are we, who are we kind of giving our hat tip to as like where, where this all kind of like begins this stretch of dominance? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the D-line. There were certain drives in that game. I mean, I think it was one of the three knots was I think three sacks in a row, was it? Um, oh, or it was close two, to that. It might have been an incompletion in there. there was talking about, I'm talking about Peyton when Peyton, yeah, 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 when Peyton started back. exerting himself. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Verse had the, obviously that massive stack that pushed the tackle into the quarterback. I mean, the D line dominated throughout the game. I think in the second half, it it just showed out more. They got in the backfield extremely fast. Um, they were blowing up, you know, pretty much anything UF wanted to do offensively before he could even develop. Verse had an awesome game. Patrick Payton had an awesome game. I thought Josh Farmer and Braden Fiss both were pretty impressive um, shedding, you know, shedding blocks on the interior consistently. It was just, I mean, that second half I think was dominated. You got to start with that defensive line. Um, You know, if you move back, I mean, there are other guys that stood out, uh, especially, I think, you know, the safeties played pretty well in this game. Keen Dent, I think had the best game of his Florida state career, which is pretty crazy to think about considering how long he's, been in at FSU but I mean he just he looked different like I'd never seen him move like that never seen him play with like that much confidence um he looked like a complete dude yeah the the Peyton sacks in between was Jared verse pressure Shaheen Brown breakup yeah okay and and so like it is is ultimately it's like it should have been a pick by the way I he didn't catch it I'm just saying if he could catch he'd be a receiver they had a couple. They had a couple times where they had uh, chances for interceptions, and they obviously got one at the end. But like that's kind of been this season is like a lot of. Uh, a they lot love of, their PBUs. A lot of hands-on balls and not a lot of interceptions. Kid show. Um, but like that, the effort from the defensive line 
extraordinary. I agree with you, Zach. Like that, that's where it starts is like the attacking unit, their forcing unit, the front porch, whatever you want to call them. Like they set the tone, especially in the second half. Uh, and, and as you start to build a little bit of like momentum and start to kind of get a little bit of a lead, it forces Florida to be a little bit more diverse in its play calling, I guess. And you start to kind of respond to some of the, I mean, the, listen, the, the Billy Napier run game is really difficult to stop uh, with all the, the eye candy they have there. And then they also have just like a big offensive line, not necessarily a great one and two really good running backs. And so it, it's difficult. And your linebackers settle down and are reading things better. Some of the pressure you're doing from your post players and getting into the box, like that all works out very well. But like the, the amount of production you got up front, like was built up to this point. And, and it was, we've had to talk about and sift through why are they rotating defensive lines so much? You know, why are so many guys playing at this point? It's because you go into a game like this where you can play Jared Verse like all snaps but 10, and you can play Patrick Payton all snaps but 10. Like that, that's what this leads to. And this is what they've been building all season. On that, on that point, FSU's going into their 13th game, and every single guy they list on their depth chart at defensive line, which I think is a total of 12. Oh, you're no, talking about, yeah. No, so it's, just, like, it's like 10 to 12. I was thinking every, sing, every single one is healthy alone. and available. And obviously, like, Briggs had to battle through it during the season. There's been some other instances like that. But that speaks to this all working for them. Malcolm and Ray had some moments position. that won't show up in the stat box, but, like, getting in the way and, like, being feisty. And, like, yeah, man, it was it was a cumulative effort. It was so fun to watch. Adam Fuller, like, a hat tip to him. This is a legitimate top-10 defense at this point. I know they've played backup quarterbacks. Well, guess what? Like, Florida State's playing a backup quarterback. Like it's and against the ACC, 2-0 and against the SEC. Yeah. Crown is champs of both, if you would like. You know, haven't given up 30 all year, which 30 is kind of a high benchmark, but let's be honest, that number is much lower if you take out the exception of a game yeah. or two. I, I'm not here to I'm not here to slander the only person, the only defensive coordinator who has made Jaden Daniels look normal this season. Like, yeah, you know, that entire like, offense looked normal. Yes, yeah, uh, they dominated, uh, in, especially situationally. Anyways, like Adam Fuller, that defense, excellent job. Uh, you had to have that, like that group had to lead for you. They had to lead the charge. And it took them a little while to get settled in those two drives early in the game that you're giving up you know, 14 minutes time of possession. Can't have that like moving forward, but like the the cumulative of it like was was top notch. It was a lead. You know what to be. defensive play hasn't come up that I absolutely loved was Renardo Green space one on one grabbing the guy, finishing it. Florida taking exception to it, which is all well and good. And Renardo Green acting like he really didn't give a fine. You know what? That Florida took exception to it. His his face, I took a screenshot of it. I'm going to send it to you guys right now. Like, it was disturbing because he just clearly didn't care. And I'm no, like, oh, no, it was like I did my job one on one, made sure I made the tackle. You guys, you guys do what you want gotta, about that. I'm going to go play the next play. I think Renardo stood over him for a, a couple extra seconds. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. There was some, there was some, you know, how practice began last week. Oh, I'm not, I don't have a bell rings and it's time for a fight. It's a battle out there. Both teams battled, and that's a credit to both teams. You know, it was like, another underrated play. What? When Montreal Johnson gets an open space, I think it was Akeem Dent on the tackle. Yeah. Dent had a couple. He kind of slips. He kind of slips. Montreal Johnson does. But if he breaks that tackle, it's like a like a forty something yard or like a touchdown, maybe. Like yeah, Dent had no one to the left where they had him one on one, and if he doesn't make it, there's a shot of them working to the pylon, and he yeah. makes a play. There, there's multiple plays that Akeem Dent makes that say. I mean. That save you from chunk plays. He was awesome. His job, but he did a really good job. Yeah, he, I was gonna say he is a safety. That is the the job. It is in the description. Is you're kind of the, the safeguard there. But um, backers got picked on a bit with the Eugene Wilson movement, which is eye candy. It's gonna mess yeah. with you. But like FSU didn't allow any of that to turn into something big, which ultimately means they won that battle. But I think that is why at times the linebackers were a little out of sort early in the game. I think there were also some communication issues in the back end. For example, the one with a uh, it might have been Montreal Johnson was wide open right along the sideline. You know, two guys went with the vertical guy. He got sit alone underneath. Easy throw for Max Brown. So the other side of the ball, offense, like trying to think of the best way to describe it. Like you did what you had to do, and it was just enough. Um, Body blows, baby. The run game is, I think, where we want to focus on because it was so prevalent in that that drive in the first half that Chris talked about, where you have a couple of chunk gains. Uh, and then the Trey Benson touchdown run to to give you a lead in the second half where he has a little outside zone stretch. Right, they got the lead off of that, if I remember correctly. His second touchdown. Yeah, uh, he, yeah. Had, he had three, which not a whole lot of people in this rivalry are getting three. So 
14 to 12, I think. Yeah, it was. it puts you up 14 to 12. Um, and just like the blocking on that, the Dimitri Emanuel and then Jaheim Bell and, and Darius Washington all on the left side, like zone blocking outside perfectly. UF's linebackers suck. I mean, that that was something that we talked about going into the game, wrote about it. Uh, you watched their like weak side linebacker, or sorry, the middle linebacker there. Um, just completely just kind of he gets eaten up by like a Dimitri Emmanuel block, right? Well, that was the that was like the the boundary side linebacker. But I'm talking about like the the middle linebacker. Uh, I think I, I forget where the sticks were. It doesn't matter. Like the the guy on the opposite side of the play, the backside linebacker, uh, just like runs into the right guard like inexplicably. Like after the play's already been bounced outside, like it's just the eyes were terrible. But like you knew you were going to have a chance to get some of those. I think that was frustrating. Is like you you thought you could run on that team, and, and you did at some points, but you also had a lot of like just self-inflicted issues with either honestly i thought it was just a lot of bad tracks by the running backs on the day just a lot of Dude, there's a, yeah there's a photo of a the benson run where he loses like 11 or 9 or whatever. yeah he could shoot it up inside and it was like the most wide open hole ever like yeah i mean he redeemed himself but that's got to be something that they they thing. dinged themselves from a running total standpoint with like three really bad runs and two of them were kind of the high school element of, Oh, I can pop this or I can keep stretching this and try to win and not going to, they got good athletes on that side of all, even if they're not super disciplined and their culture on that side of all sucks, they still have good athletes. Yeah, they do. They do. And, and they have size up front and you had to kind of wear them down. And so like, that's ultimately like where, where FSU gets is you go ahead in the first half or in the second half, UF responds with their lone scoring drive uh, of, of the second half. And the offense does enough, you know, throughout. And I think there's, like, there's some key plays, like the Tate Rodemaker, fourth and three to Chikai Douglas, like really good throw and read with the blitz coming. That's when Tate's so good is like when he could just launch it and like let it go. Uh, and for Chikai to make that catch, like awesome. Uh, you would have liked to have on on what was the like, the the go-ahead score uh, in the fourth quarter, the field goal with Ryan Fitzgerald. You would have liked seven, not three there. Uh, Tate throw a little high. To Keon Coleman, Keon Coleman doesn't come down with it, and he's come down with those kind of catches all does, season. Does Mike Norvell go for that field goal, 19-yard field goal that Fitz made if Tate's not the quarterback? I think so at that point. Because you, you got to get the lead. Because you want the lead. Okay. Yeah. I just yeah. wonder. I did wonder that in a moment. And there was like – I mean, what? There were seven minutes left after that, I think. And your defense was no, playing so well. But, no, I, I mean, I think we wondered that initially in the press box, like if that, that would be like – uh, anyways, so you know, again, not not a perfect game, but like I think that that game ceiling drive, the touchdown by Trey Benson, all of like what's at play in that in that moment speaks very like strongly to two different teams and two different spots of of their program right now. Uh, that the Tate Rodemaker slide in which he just gets obliterated, and it honestly could have been so much worse too. Like I think the the his head whiplashing and hitting. Uh, the ground was as bad as like the initial contact, but like it was so close to both those guys sandwiching him uh, in between the helmets. Um, and then you see FSU, like keep in mind, like Jordan Travis got hurt in a similar place of the field on a similar play with us like, running down field the week before. And you saw the trainers, how fastly like they came out. Uh, and then uh, FSU has a team doctor say some words uh, and UF players then escalate it by like starting to bow up and going over to like a huddle where players are injured. It was just, it was bizarre. It was a strange point in the game. Uh, and I think like that, the fact that like FSU's players were again, you know, multiple times this game kept their composure. You know, uh, Keandre Jones getting spit on. Yeah. I think that was the turning point in the game. I was going to say that. I think. Do you Keandre really? Jones, yeah. Keandre Jones not reacting to that in a negative way and costing his team like an offsetting penalty. Cause I, I wouldn't take like, if I was me at, I, I don't know if I'd be able to, maintain myself and and i think it speaks to to the culture of the team um because that you know you get that penalty and then obviously the targeting penalty was huge because they they weren't going to pick up that first down if not for it but i think it just it kind of foreshadowed what was to come of that game which was uf was insanely undisciplined they're poorly coached and eugene wilson pushing the coach aside yeah, like, i mean away, it, like, it's not a good culture right now for for that program i'm really shocked their defense is undisciplined and poorly coached looking at the guy that's leading yeah i mean mean, if they get a stop not like like, they're following the leader at all there yeah he's like running down the sideline like you know get taking a victory lap i'm like dude act like you've been here before 
Um, well, he hasn't, to be Congrats fair. Congrats on losing yeah. five in a row and being miserable on that side of the ball. Great job the, there. The word creeper gets thrown around. <laughs> Collect that paycheck. He been fired yet? Uh, so, like, the... After the Tate, after the, the personal foul and the targeting penalty, which you have fans were booing. Not all, but some were booing. Like, just come on. Like, what do we do? It, it legitimately pisses me off. Um, Tate has to leave for a few plays. Brock Glenn comes in. Brock Glenn doesn't have a mouthpiece, according to, to Dane. And Dane's watching this very closely on the telecast. Doesn't have a mouthpiece in, but he's chewing gum and had a smile on his face. This how is why I, think, how close do you think Dane was to the TV when Brockland came in? Two um, inches, three inches. I think he got pushed further back. If you catch my drift, um, but Brockland goes in the game in really difficult circumstances, and uh, actually had the really nice little run on the read option, and, and shockingly, UF was not really disciplined and was offside, so FSU takes that instead. Um, and then Tate comes back in the game. Doesn't really matter who was that quarterback for that play. You stayed afloat. You were in third and short. You put three tight ends to the boundary. I think you just ran duo and you ran it right at him. And Trey Benson gets the first down. And then so much more with the cut move he makes. Shitty tackling for UF secondary. Again, just not a big surprise if you've been watching them this season. And Trey Benson uh, scores a touchdown while looking back at Florida's defense. And that is the game sealer and and so real quick so poetic that it was trey because he took the jordan travis injury uh in real time as difficult as anyone sobbing we talk about this struggling to even stay up someone who's dealt with his own injury very close to jordan obviously and we thought he had a good week of practice and he had his nice he light carried the hammer in, so that usually speaks to that too and yeah so he gets to carry the hammer in and he gets to, to wield the hammer at the end and break the rock um so i had tip to trey benson who in two years at Florida State, and imagine we only have a few more games left of watching him here. Uh, has has really like another another example of what this program does so well: evaluate culture, culture, develop, put guys in a position to succeed, and he responds in just an impressive, like immaculate way. Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. Trey's touchdown run comes on a goal line play. As far as the style of that play, what they're trying to accomplish there, obviously they were not at the goal line. I also I very much like that when Brock Glenn came in, they threw the ball. I did want a deep shot because I thought Florida would be playing to run and giving you one-on-ones and I'm wholeheartedly comfortable with Brooklyn taking a shot. Now I get that a lot of people will lean the other way and be like, well, they should have run the ball, keep the clock moving. You're playing to end the game. I get that, but I kind of, I, I just liked it. I think that speaks to the confidence and belief that they have in Brooklyn. If you listen to uh, quarterbacks, coach Tony Tokars talk about him last week, talks about the moxie of the young man. I think we've all been generally high on the show of what he is capable of uh, based on practice. I, I just, I enjoyed when he was injected in there that it seemed like the confidence was immediately there of like, you know, this isn't a freshman in the swamp. This is a quarterback who we believe in that if he does have to be the next guy up, you know, if Tate was ultimately get hurt or they had to make a move, we got confidence in him. I, I just like that in that moment. And you throw the ball there, and, like, I was fine with it, too. Um, if it doesn't get knocked down at the line, it's probably completed for four or five yards to Johnny Wilson. He had a little bit of an angle, and then the ball looked like it was coming out of the Brock Glenn's hands well. But that could be me just being biased and really liking Brock Glenn. Point being is you don't know how that game is going to end. Like, you don't know if Tate Rodemaker is coming back into the game at that point, right? Like, he has to go to the injury tent. So, like, to find a way to, to show that you believe in the true freshman quarterback, because he may have to lead another drive, like, at that point in the game. And so you need to have him settled in get that first throw out of the way. Like, I think it made sense. I had no issues with that. Also worth mentioning the Keon Coleman punt return. It's one of those plays that we've kind of glanced over in this discussion, but it was, it was important. It also is what helped set up FSU's first uh, touchdown. Yep. Keon uh, didn't have his best or No, game, I'm sorry. It didn't set up the first it touchdown. Was, it, was, set it, up, it was the field goal, I think. Right? Yeah, it set up the Fitz go-ahead. That's what it was. Yes. Um, well, Keon didn't have his best game, but like, a couple big moments there uh, and, and obviously the, the punt return, like that's what he's done so well. Uh, one of my worst takes of the season guys was I wasn't sure if I wanted Keon Coleman as a punt returner just because of the size. And then you watch him field some punts uh, throughout preseason camp and you're like, okay, yeah, that, that looks all right. And then you get to see him kind of move. And yes, he's been amazing at that this season and has really helped FSU out. Uh, so anyways, that's the game guys like FSU, Finds a way to win, and yes, both teams have their backup quarterbacks, but 
FSU without its star player, without its leader, grinds out another win, its 12th win of the season. What was your Nine. favorite? Ninth in the last 13 against UF and five of the last seven at the Swamp. What's the, what's the winning streak at now, Chris? 18? For FSU? Yeah, it's 18. Six at the back end of last year and everyone this year. I mean, think about this team the three years prior, I think, won 14 games total. I don't know. I try not to remember. Something like that. I mean, it just you had four losing seasons in a row, and you have now won 10 games in a season. 12 games in a regular season with still multiple games to go. Coach Norvell had that moment in the post game. We weren't very good here a couple years ago. They were. So like, were. yeah, yeah. No, nah. I mean, it's happened very quickly. Enjoy twelve and zero. Quit worrying about the playoffs. Let it all play out. Go beat Louisville's ass. You know, let Washington, Oregon sort themselves out. Yeah, FSU will be where they need to be. Can we talk about quarterback? Sure. Uh, I was going to do it in Byersonone. Do you want to save it for? Yeah, we'll save it for your little segment or whatever. My little segment. Okay. Sponsored by the Turner Group. Thanks for sponsoring us, Colin. Sorry the Zach thinks it's a little segment. You got his number. Let him know. Uh, what was your favorite play of the game? Like, there were so many cool moments. And, uh, again, the energy of that place was was awesome. Uh, start with you, Zach. Favorite moment. What are you going to, like, when you're 10, 10, 15 years from now, what's going to be the memory of that of that game? I think the Benson run, to put it away. I mean, he, he you know, kind of, like, falls into the end zone backwards and, like it's just kind of telling, um, just because of how it was a gritty performance from him, from the entire team. You know, didn't have a ton of consistency, but he gets in the open field, and you know, we know what happens when that when that occurs. Like he makes guys miss, and he can outrun sec- like secondary players as a two hundred and fifteen pound or more running back. So, yeah, I mean, that was that was probably the most memorable play to me. Chris? Since Zach stole mine, I'm going to go with the marching Chiefs playing during Tom Petty because oh, it's a rivalry and it really felt like a moment there. I'm like, that's a choice, but, you know, go and do it. Yeah, you guys are really eating into my buyers to know material, so I appreciate it. Oh. Sorry. Zach stole my answer. I didn't want to be bland. I mean, I guess if I had to go with an own, it'd be Jaheim Bell because that play, the 29-yard completion. What about Trey's other run? I can't interest either of you in Jared versus sacking a quarterback with a 330-pound offensive I mean, I already lineman. brought him up sacking an offensive lineman and getting a quarterback. I enjoyed pretty much every good play for FSU. I didn't really enjoy any of the bad ones, except for maybe when Florida went up 12-0 and thought they had the game. You weren't enjoying that in real time. Don't lie. Not uh, in real time, but in retrospect. I hell let's talk enjoyed. about our player of the game sponsored by the Battles End. Do you like rosters that – you know, have 12-0 football teams, and there aren't a whole lot of them uh, left in the country. The battle's end, been huge in, in player retention for FSU. And uh, just giving guys on the roster, like, a chance to to earn their worth and, uh, you know, earn value to what they are worth. And, um, and yeah, the battle's end, the collective has done an amazing job in, in very short time and has helped play a role in this team becoming one that's been really fun to root for and one nationally. So our TB player of the game, I will start off on offense guys who – can we just yell out Trey Benson on three or Trey Benson? One, two, three, Trey Benson. Brock Trey, Benson. No, Trey, Benson. Trey Benson. Uh, and then on defense, this one might be a little bit more, more uh, balanced and distributed. I will start off with the keen dent because he looked like a man who was pissed off at the start of the game. He was just staring down Florida's players as they took about 30 minutes to walk across the field. Uh, and um, he delivered on that. If you're going to, you know, kind of look at them, just laugh and smile and, and talk here, you know what, before the start of a game, uh, you deliver. And he helped them weather the storm. His PFF grade was in the 90s, I think. Uh, his pass rush grade was 99. And I don't think they penalized him uh, for a uh, a fake uh, penalty there. So Akeem Dent would be my player of the game. He helped you a ton, especially in the first quarter. Go ahead, Zach. I'll steal Jared first from you. Sorry, Chris. Uh just completely it's like white elephant. Completely dominant in the second half, especially, um, but was impactful throughout. And you know, seems like he always shows up for these big games. And you know, couldn't have come at a better time for Florida State when they absolutely needed the defense to step up. And and he was a large reason why they were so dominant in that second half. And I'll go with Braden Fisk because he played like a man on fire throughout that game, and he just brought it. And I also so know, yeah. He also walked Jared versus Braden Fist press conferences together because Jared Verse drives Braden Fist nuts, and I love it. He also walked into the stadium with a big boot on. 
He did, and he walked out with a big boot on, but in between he kicked their ass. He, he put crazy. their boot right up something. Um, yeah, so another ode to like hat tip to this team's resiliency and toughness and culture and grit and all those great things like that make football fun. Like Braden Fisk is just another shining example of it. And yeah, FSU just using the transfer portal too. What's up with that? You know, Jared Verse, Braden Fisk, these guys. Speaking of the battles and in the transfer portal, all of that let's gets take, going here in the next week or two. Let's take, a, again, another buyer's to know. Uh, let's take a quick commercial break. We're going to talk recruiting. We're going to maybe play buyer's to know if there's any prompts left when we get back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to On the Bench. Uh, there was a few recruiting developments from the past week, and tis the season. Like, we're here in late November. Yes, football games of, of substance are still being played, but we're having to juggle that with uh, national signing day, or early signing period, I should say, uh, coming up in a few weeks. The transfer portal opens on December 2nd, as Chris alluded to uh, a few minutes ago. So there are things to get to here. The main talking point, what I really want to get to, uh, is Zach was at Chaminade's uh, playoff game and uh, got to talk to Jeremiah Smith, number one prospect in the country, someone who FSU continues to chip away at. Uh, Chris, let's give Zach a round of applause for just like just asking a tough question, a direct question, I should say, almost right away, and in, uh, in eliciting a genuine response from Jeremiah Smith. He starts I'll, off I'll, with, I'll with, own this. I didn't watch the video, so I don't know what the question. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I was busy. Oh my soccer, God. He had a soccer preview. <laughs> and uh... No, no, no. I had soccer to deal with. They had just one. It was Friday night. Find uh, someone who loves covering guy. soccer in late November, like Chris Nee does on a Friday night. Hey, I like trophies. What can I say? You know what? The soccer pro, you know, a round of applause to soccer for just kicking ass this season. So, so one more to go, though. Not done yet. Um, two. two more to go. See how much I'm paying attention. Round of applause for me for paying attention to football during football right. season. So, Zach, what was the first question? What was the response and focus in on Jermaine? Uh, it was actually the second question, and, and his name is Jeremiah. Um, Damn, I keep doing that. That has really become an affliction for me. I don't know why. I did once cover Jermaine Smith, but, like, man, I keep doing that. Yeah, I really you went on the board a couple times. I'm going to start writing it on my arm and just Jeremiah. Um, Zach, sure. you talked to yeah. the number one recruit in the country. What yeah. happened? Yeah. So after his game, um, so for context, I was at his game last week too. Uh, and they snuck him out of the game before it ended. They were up like 70 to zero or something at that point. But I could not find him in the handshake line or like even after the game i waited outside the locker room nowhere to be found he was out out of the like he was out of the area so this week i come back like i asked jeremiah like just on the sideline like hey are you gonna talk after the game he's like yeah so he had not been on record in two weeks um for an interview meaning like he had not talked since the uh the night after the miami game when he spoke with us um following that trip to florida state so I asked him, you know, how was the game? Like about the, uh, you know, his his big win. They beat Cardinal Newman, which is Ricky Knight, FSU DB commits team um, in the playoffs, 40 to zero. And then I asked him, what's the status of your Ohio State commitment? And he responded basically saying that he was committed to, uh, he was still locked in with Ohio State right now. He kept saying right now. So it was like five right nows in a row after every... What? But who's counting? Yeah. But after every response, um, he made sure to say that. It was a little, I mean, yeah, personally, I just, I, I think um, Florida State has a, a good shot to flip him. I've said that over the past few weeks, and I still feel the same way. Um, the most noteworthy thing that he said in that interview, and then um, in addition to an interview he did after he went to UF to watch Florida State play Florida in the swamp, was that he actually might get back to UF for an unofficial visit after the FSUOB, 
we'll see if that happens. Um, you know, I don't think it's locked in or anything as of right now, but it's something that the UF staff is pushing for. He does have his Florida State official set up for December 8th through the 10th. And what, you know, when I say that it might be difficult for the UF visit to happen, that's because Jeremiah Smith will play in his state championship game. If all goes well and they, they win next week, um, they'll play in a state championship game in Tallahassee that week before his official visit. So I think it'll be like that Friday, um, December 8th through the 10th will be the OV. And then the following week, this happened last year as well with Shaman on Madonna, his high school. They played in a national championship game out West, like in Las Vegas or something. And that was on the Saturday. So if you guys remember last cycle, Edwin Joseph, who's Florida State's uh, a true freshman defensive back at Florida State, he was still going through the recruiting process at that time. Multiple schools were pushing for him in the end. Louisville actually got him on a one-day official visit that Sunday after the national championship game that he played in out West. So he flew all the way over to Louisville and spent like the entire day there. But that was it because after Sunday, that's a dead period. You go, you know, three days and then it's signing day that December 20th. So maybe Jeremiah Smith could pull something off like that. I don't expect that to happen, but I guess we'll see. Um, maybe they'll work some other weekend. I, I just, I don't, there's not a lot of time left. Um, there's not a lot of weekends left. So to me, like, I, you know, we've, we've put this out in reports before, but like Florida state has the ammunition to, to close here. They have the lone official visit remaining on Jeremiah Smith's schedule. Is he going to return to Ohio state before he signs? I think that's a huge data point because yeah. when's the last time he was at Ohio state, I think for a game last month, like in October, that, that's, that's a pretty big deal for him to be committed to Ohio State for that long and then seemingly not return there for the final three or so months of his recruitment, that makes me think that he's not sticking with the Buckeyes. But they have done a great job of recruiting him to this point. He has an excellent relationship with that staff, Brian Hartline, Ryan Day. So we'll see. Um, but I still feel the same as I felt over the past few weeks, dating or coming off of that Miami game visit. Um, that's kind of a turning point for me in my thinking of where Florida State stands in this recruitment with the number one player in the country of Jeremiah Smith. We got less than a month until signing day. So, you know, every day is going to be important to track um, his recruitment. Zach, Byers known brought to you by the Turner Group. Would Keon Coleman going off against Louisville benefit FSU with Jeremiah, not Jermaine, Jeremiah Smith? I mean, bye, obviously. Um, but at this point, it's like, He's kind of seen what he needs to see, like see it from from FSU and all these schools, right? Like what I don't think a one game sample size where he's probably not even going to be like in attendance. Like, I mean, it's an ACC championship game. Recruits won't be there. So to me, like the single one off performances are are great and all. But you got to remember, like this, this, this is a kid that watched Keon Coleman put up three touchdowns against LSU in the season opener and one of the most you know hyped games of the season. like. I think those in-person experiences matter more. Obviously, it's going to help Florida State if he does put on a great performance, but I don't think it's going to be any sort of deciding factor. Zach, who's sponsoring our recruiting segment? Let them know. Football coach, college dynasty, the best college football management game on PC. I'm having a lot of fun playing it. Um, I've been busy lately, but I'm going to get back into it this week, hopefully. And, uh, a little, a little bit of time before, you know, the craziness starts with the transfer portal and the final portion of the recruiting season. But if you love the transfer portal and high school recruiting, you can do both in football coach college dynasty. It's a, has an extensive recruiting option in that game. And it's my favorite part of that game because you get to evaluate players, recruit them you know, try to compete against other schools to land them. And then you can allocate NIL money to them and players in the transfer portal after the season really replicates modern college football. Football coach college dynasty is available on steam right now for $15. Do they have a cyber Monday deal? I have not checked that, but if you look on steam, it'll let you know, you know, who has a black Friday deal that's turned into a cyber Monday deal. 
Ooh. Ooh, let them know, Chris. 75% off an annual subscription. It also is good for you folks who are monthly if you want to turn into 12 monthlies. And we're here. Wait, for yeah. So $27 for the entire year of coverage. That's crazy. Um, and, and like Chris said, if you're a monthly subscriber paying $10 a month, this is probably something you're going to want to take advantage of or however much it is monthly. Like it's, it's going to be way more worth it to get the the annual subscription of only $27 for an entire year's worth of coverage. So definitely take advantage of the 75% off deal. It ends tonight, right, Chris? Uh, I think it actually ends tomorrow night at midnight. Okay. I think so it's Tuesday night. Um, we have had over well over 100 people already do it. I think it's actually closer to a couple hundred people do it. And, uh, you know, keep doing it. We're here for you. If you have questions, reach out to us. We're all available either via our Twitters or via the site, via PM on the site. Or if you have a question, you know, just find us one way or the other. We're, we're here for you. And this is a uh, last thing on it. Like this is the time of year where I, I feel like we flourish. Not that we don't, I take a lot of pride in the work we do throughout the year, but portal oh, this recruiting. Is, this um, is, this is Sonone season. Dude, he, I, I'm, I'm dragging. I'm getting old guys. A lot of grades. Yeah, but when the dude, when the portal opens, like Sonone's open for business and he's going, I've never, Sonone's so locked in with the portal. That's like his, to me, that's he's, your favorite thing to cover. He's like Norvell on the field before you left, where it's just lasers, baby. It's just lasers. Uh, speaking of on the field for UF, there were a couple more recruits that uh, FSU has interest in who were at the Florida game taking it all in. Uh, LJ McCray being the, the primary one. And Zach, after the game, you wrote a VIP article, again, for subscribers. You don't have to put everything behind it. But like th that game, who it mattered to. Uh, I guess some potential like turning points for FSU to get that extra, like one more data point, another win, a resilient victory, like one more thing to sell. I guess who does it impact and uh, who are some players like you're keeping an eye on that that game could have had an, an actual like legitimate effect on? Yeah, well, obviously Jeremiah Smith, like we talked about before. LJ McCray is probably the next most important one. To me, like I'm not super confident that the Florida State can pull off a flip. I just think there's things surrounding that recruitment that, that will tie him to UF and We'll make it hard for Florida State to kind of change his mind on that decision. Uh, but we'll see. Maybe I'm proven wrong. But that's just my kind of thinking right now. He was at the game. He did watch Florida State's defensive line absolutely take over in points, parts of that uh, contest. And I mean, maybe that has him rethinking things. But to me right now, like coming off of this game, I, I just find it hard to believe that, that Florida State will be able to pull off the flip. I think if if it does happen or if it will happen, it'll have to be, you know, LJ making some sort of internal decision to be like, Hey, like, you know, we should, we should give Florida state like a, a, a real shot um, down the stretch. And I don't know if that's the case right now. Like I, like I think FSU is definitely still in the mix. They're still talking to him and his family, but I wouldn't describe it as anything super advanced at this point. Um, but it's definitely going to be a recruitment to to watch down the stretch just because of how important of a prospect he is, a five-star defensive lineman, top 10 overall prospect in the country, someone that FSU badly wants. So we'll monitor that. I'll note two other guys. Um, a UF real, real, real quick, Zach, on that, like a legitimate like question. What is UF pitching to LJ McCray at this point? Like as you've lost – I mean, I, I don't know what their pitch is. Like, I mean – you should know. You should know everything. That's expectation. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would assume it's, you know, come in, you're going to be able to play early. You're a really talented defensive lineman. You can get on the field in your first year and, and play meaningful snaps. No, he can do that everywhere he's looking at. Next, next, next. next I'm not next. saying I'm not saying that that's not the case. I'm saying My this point being is like you should be able to recruit against everything Florida is throwing oh. right now. But you know dynamics of this recruitment. You know the dynamics of this recruitment, and I don't. I do. You know, Brendan is trying, and Zach ain't taking the bait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we ain't, we're not getting into that, but uh, but yeah. So moving on, Brendan, Aaron Childs is a four-star linebacker commit to UF. He spoke to Brian uh, Doan of twenty-four-seven Sports uh, this past week and said FSU is a school trying to flip him from Florida. I think that is the case. Like Florida State's definitely in contact with him. I could see him maybe taking an official visit to FSU. I wouldn't describe like their conversations to this point as like anything advanced past just, you know, normal 
talking with a recruit. Like, I don't think he's like, you know, working to flip right away or anything like that. But if he does take an OB, I think it'll be important to monitor that one. Um, I think USC and Maryland are both also trying to flip him. So we'll, we'll kind of see if he decides to take any official visits down the stretch. But to me right now, like, it seems like Florida State might, you know, not be the school um, that will flip him at this point. A lot can change, though. Um, and then um, there's a 25 prospect I want to note, Daryl Duke Johnson. He's a linebacker, or he's uh, ranked as a linebacker in our rankings, a top 50 overall prospect in the class of 2025. FSU's recruiting him as a safety. I think Florida State's in a really good spot with him. He was actually at the UF game, and he – Call, or he told me last night that FSU's his leader coming out of that game. And he's told me that for the past however many months, whenever I've spoken to Duke Johnson, he's out of Dodge County, I believe, in yeah, Georgia. Georgia kid. Yeah, Eastman, Georgia. So FSU loves him. He has an awesome relationship with the staff. Carter Barfield, I think, has done a good job with him and, and a few others. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a super talented prospect. If you turn on the tape, it's it's really awesome to watch. Like he's a He's a really, you know, unique player because he he can he's kind of like a hybrid safety to me, um, very physical and and it, you know the speed is elite as well. So, yeah, a, a prospect of for next year's class that Florida State fans should get to know, Daryl Duke Johnson. So Zach, as we transition from recruiting, brought to us by Football Coach College Dynasty, I want to ask you this question: A bias known brought to you by the Turner Group. Does FSU add a linebacker in the twenty twenty four class? Down the stretch, non-portal linebacker. Also known, is yeah. The prompt that, yeah. Also known. Um, I think, I think they could. Like, I think the Coy Parish kid is probably the most likely addition for them. But even then, like, you know, how much? Because Florida State has to really value roster spots down the stretch. Um, you know, Coy Parish is a really talented prospect, but if a really, really talented linebacker enters the portal and they have a real shot at landing him, like who are you, who are you rather taking in that, in that class? Like to me, it's probably the portal kid. Um, but we'll see. Like I, I'm not, if Coy Parrish wants in the class, they're going to take him. He's a super talented. Dane's going to make sure of it. <laughs> but Ohio state, but Ohio state's also trying to flip him from Minnesota. This is a four star. Um, he's listed as a DB, but he's, he's a linebacker for FSU. He's out of Minnesota committed to the, the Golden Gophers, um, but Ohio State and Florida State are two schools that are, are looking to try and change his mind down the stretch. He has an OB set for December 15th through the 17th. We talked about this in the last pod, but just to rehash in case anyone missed it. Um, yeah, I mean, he's the most likely right now if they were to add a high school linebacker. But like I said, I think because at that point, if you think like that's two weeks into the portal opening or a little over um, you know, a week and a half. So I think FSU is going to have a good idea of who kind of are the portal targets for them um, in that first week. And, and I, you know, quickly just touching on the portal, I don't want to get, you know, too sidetracked here, Brendan, but. Um, I mean, I'm, I have, listen, I got hours. Chris is the one that has to be somewhere in a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Well, I just want to say this real quick. I think Florida state's more prepared now than ever entering this portal window after some conversations I've had over the weekend, like, yeah, they're ready. Um, they're operating from a position of power. They kind of were last year. I think that's why you saw that portal class be so dominant. But I mean, now they're they're really going to be handpicking who they want. They're not. Yeah. It's not going to be a big portal class. It's not going to be drafting from the portal. It's not going to be like a past few years um, where you see like you know more than ten. I think it's going to be probably less than eight or you know it, it'll probably be like five to six guys. That's that's what the expectation is going in. Obviously, that number's That's impacted. Weird. Obviously, that number's impacted a ton by like how many players they lose to attrition. Obviously, some of that will be you know, some like they obviously want to lose some players to attrition because some of those guys are not going to play on this team. Um, but we'll kind of see how that unfolds. It, I just wanted to make note of that. Like I, I think I think Florida State's in a really strong position entering the portal window. I was trying to make fun of Miami's coaching staff's bullshit narratives, and Zach kept going, so it's fine. Whatever. You guys want to play Byerson real quick? Yeah, yeah brought to you by the Turner Group. The Tell Turner. them about the Turner Group. Yeah, let's talk about the Turner Group. Like, what better time to get a new house than around Christmas? Like, 
you want to surprise your wife, don't buy like a puppy or a car in the driveway. Don't go all out and buy a brand new house. The Turner Group can help you get there. They can help you do it swiftly and they can help you do it with a ton of peace of mind as you go ahead and make what, what's that? What? I just want to say, I have now personal experience using the Turner Group. Did you buy a house? My parents uh, purchased a townhouse in Tallahassee. Let's it was go. an extremely easy process. My dad is like, you know, not like super easy going with this stuff. So you think Jeff's a little high strong? Jeff. Oh, Come yes. On, Jeff. Um, but but Jeff's awesome. And and they and they they dealt with Colin directly. And he was, I mean, they had a great conversation. Awesome. They set him up with a um someone located in Tallahassee to look at places there. It was super easy going and and I mean, they're, I think their plan is to try and like Airbnb the place um, when they're not there for, for football Saturdays in the fall and try to make it a return on investment. And, you know, from everything that they, you know, they've seen early on, it's, it's a really good investment. So I just wanted to make note that um, that's a positive story with the Turner group. You guys should definitely try them out if you're in the, um, in the market. Or even if you're not, again, Christmas present for your wife. She'll love a brand new house. Just surprise her with it. <laughs> All right, Brendan. Lightning round of Fire Sinone. Let's go. Fire Sinone. March and Chiefs playing in uh playing during we won't back down. I'll buy it. It's a rivalry game. Like it, it is what it is. It was a choice, though. Wholeheartedly. It was a choice. Absolutely buy. I love it. Here for the pettiness. <laughs> I don't get it. Fire Sinone. Florida, after watching them yesterday up close, personal, has some deep-rooted problems. I will buy uh, on the defensive side of the ball. They 100% look like a Willie Taggart FSC football team. What about uh, Eugene Wilson slapping his, his That was a moment, ball? but like I'll, I'll let that be an emotional moment. The defense, it was a consistent. They also have two offensive line coaches, and their O-line might be one of the worst that Florida State's played this year. By Orsonon, Adam Fuller will be a head coach somewhere in 2024. I'm starting to feel a buy there, especially if he's a Broyles Award finalist. I feel like that's a natural order to he, – he's going to be on a hot board for this job and that job. So, yeah. And I think it's going to be a very active season of coaching. Could uh, Boston College come open? That would be his – that would probably be – I think they'd go probably offensive, though, if they get rid of Halfley. Yeah, but it, they, it won't go open. He he made a bowl. Yeah. That's the ceiling there. Um, Byersonone. Brendan Sinone cries if Adam Fuller leaves Florida State. I've already cried once this year and expressed that emotional vulnerability. And then some weirdo on Twitter made something that only <laughs> took three minutes on Microsoft Paint that was clearly pretty elaborate and uh, was probably worse than his shitty highlight video of Keon Coleman catching a touchdown over their shitty DBs. Continue. So no, I won't cry if Adam Fuller leaves. I do love Adam, but I won't cry. Maybe tears of joy. You know what? Bye. I'd be very happy for him. Tears of joy. I'm gonna I love that Sinone. Sinone has the most deep-rooted hate about Miami and FSU and Miami and Florida. Oh, I, yeah. I'm of any of stuff. us. And he's the one who has the least attachment to the athlete. You want to know why? <laughs> you want to know why? Because I'm an empath. I can sense energy, and I just sense a bunch of steaming piles of – all right, let's keep going. <laughs> By or Sinone. Uh, <sighs> I blame you guys for derailing me late. Getting emotional right now. Uh, Byerson, your thought on the quarterback outlook in 2024 changed with this <clears throat> data set. I'll buy that because I was one that, you know, partly to drive conversation when you did the piece about the portal. So no. that I'm not sure. Oh, you're, you're not spitting now, are you? No, I, he, he did. He, I, I'm not. Out, to be fair. I'm not anti tape but like, yeah, if there's an option in the portal, I think you definitely take a wholehearted look. I mean, I am still very much Team Brock. And we all. Oh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm Team Brock as well. But do you feel comfortable in Brock leading this program and, and there not being a considerable drop off in, in quarterback play? I mean, they're he's if a you're portal player hiring, next year. You, you got to nail it if you're portal. Oh, 100%. I, yeah. I, I'm still very adamant. But do you, do, you think this, do you think the staff doesn't nail a quarterback? Oh, they're player? good at it. They're really good at it. But quarterback, portal hunting, it's, it's, it, it is. You know, yeah. it, it's a different dynamic. I mean, they're, they're comfortable with different animals. But I mean, the last guy they got was not a. I don't think that was a, a, a different a different time with Mackenzie Milton. It was a calculated risk, and you also wanted someone culturally. And you ended up being like good for that, but like, yeah, I mean, you you're rolling the dice on a guy that had a major knee issue that you weren't really sure, like with nerves and stuff like like what. Nah, it, uh, you would have a different talent pool to select from. 
depending on that, that question was solely for me. Yes, right? it was. And, <laughs> and for me to say Sunil, because I feel the exact same way today as I did uh, two weeks ago, as I did probably a month ago. Was probably, and I, yeah. again, Brock, Brock Glenn fan club president. I'm divvying it. Like Dane doesn't get to call him Peyton Manning and he didn't get to shove me out. Like, no, like that's how this is working. He said prime Tom Brady last week, I think. Right? <laughs> As he backed up from the television uh, against his own. By or Sinone, an FSU win over Louisville assures a playoff spot. Bye. 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 Yeah. It's just people are going to talk about it this week. If and it, it, I mean, business. if it doesn't, it's the biggest like fixed job in the entire sports history. I think. Oh, we right? rage. Are we storming the... Uh, All the right, for On the Bench, this has been Brendan <laughs> Sinone, Zach Blostein, and Chris Snee. Thank you to our sponsors. Uh, we will talk to you guys later this week.